We are uh, at the last of the of the uh, in the wilderness series meditations, and the last three were, I think, special. It, of course, we might think it's coincidence or perhaps even designed by me, but uh, it's really bigger than that. And so, as I was coming to the end of them, and these three fell into place, I mentioned about a month ago that I felt that they came together for a reason. And so the message two messages ago was where Moses shifted blame. He hit that rock instead of speaking to it as God had commanded him to. And I believe in that event, what we see here is the failure of all human mediators. We are weak as an elder that stands up here. We are weak and we will fail you. And so your faith cannot be in us. And so we direct your faith to God. And that's what Moses uh, had been modeling for them for years. And yet in that instant, he failed to. And I believe that was a lesson that the people of God were to learn in that time. And I believe they did learn it because the very next thing, the next message that I shared was about the bronze serpent. And what I pointed out to you is that the people's response when rebuked for that was different than all the previous responses. Typically, prior to that, immediately Moses and Aaron would fall upon their faces. But in this instance specifically, it says that the people repented. The people sought out God. They didn't have to go through Moses. They didn't have to be rebuked by Moses. They didn't have to have model, modeled for them faith and repentance and a turning to God. And so I think both of those were important transitions that the people of God were making at that time. And then we come to another one, I believe, today. And so let me read for you our text, Numbers 25. Numbers 25, verses 1 through 13. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the high priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this illustration uh, from the life of Phineas and from the experience of these Jews in the wilderness. 
that is a model for us today. We pray, Lord, open our minds that we might understand it and embrace the lesson. We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. All right. Now, I want to give you a little bit of background as to where we are in the lives of the Jews. And actually, years ago, I gave a community meditation series on Balaam because that's what I've skipped past because of that in part. But they have just experienced what it is that we see the fruit from. And that is, they were instructed by God to bypass Edom, to bypass Moab, and go up to the land that the Lord had promised them. But God said, do not fight with Edomites and the Moabites because I am protecting them. And so the uh, Israelites did not want to fight with Edom and Moab, and so they bypassed Edom, and here they are attempting to bypass Moab, but Balak is afraid. He's a Moabite king, and he is afraid. You've got millions of these people coming through his land, and he is uh, upset about this, and he calls Balaam, who I'd mentioned years ago, was obviously a very renowned prophet of that age, even though he wasn't a, a, a Jew, but yet he came from far off, and yet he had to be wooed. And then we had that whole story of the wooing where the donkey talks to him and the angel's going to kill him. But he shows up, and God tells him through threat of uh, immediate execution, you will say only what I tell you to say. So he ends up blessing the Israelites three times, and Balak is extremely angry with him. And he said, you go away, you are not getting anything from me. All that I promised you, you get none of it because all you've done is bless these people. Balaam complained. He said, well, I told you I would only do what God allowed me to do. So you think that's the end of the story when you read Numbers. You think it's over, but it's not. A few chapters on, you see that Balaam is killed in a war with the Midianites. And then you think, oh, well, that's just a coincidence. But no, let me read you this from Revelation 2.14. This is, and, and uh, Phil will get to this in about six months, I think. <laughs> He's speaking against the church of Pergamos. You have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So see, Balaam, when he was told by Balak, get out! you're not getting anything from me, I think he experienced human regret and remorse. I want some of those goods Balak has. So he then went on to give Balak advice that if you really want to take these people down, this is what you do. And the advice was obviously to seduce them away. So you had the, these people intentionally then trying to draw the Israelites, and especially, it appears, the men away. Seduce them through the young women and then get them to sacrifice to your idols. And they were successful. They did that. And that's what we just read about in Numbers 25. And so let's go to our text. This is a judgment of apostasy. The people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. The people ate and bowed down to their gods. And then what does God do? He sends a plague and he tells Moses, the leaders, to hang the offenders before the Lord. In other words, openly execute them for what they have done in turning away from my, me and my law. And so he says, kill the men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And that's when this 
uh, young Israelite comes right in their, in their presence as they're in tears before the Lord, before the tabernacle. And he takes this Midianite woman into his tent to we know what with her. So then Phineas, in an outrage, in a moral outrage, takes his spear, goes in there and pins them both to the ground. And he is openly commended by that for God. Because see, the judgment of execution of these people had already been given. Phineas was only doing what God himself had commanded the leaders of Israel to do. And so he was acting not in his own upsetness, but he was acting in a zeal of God. God's zeal filled him, and he executed those two people. And God was pleased, very pleased. He commended him throughout his future destiny, saying, you will have a priest before me forever. So God was pleased. It ended the plague, and God expected the Israelites to address such things in their midst, to address sin. And that's why we get now to the third illustration, the third uh, comparison to us. We, the last three messages, Moses failing as a mediator pointed to what? The need of a better mediator. And we got him in Christ. The second one, the, the last one, the bronze serpent, pointed to the need of a sacrifice that would be a better sacrifice than the animals and that they could turn to. And in that illustration also, it showed that they were no, now longer, no longer going through their human mediator. They were going through their heavenly mediator. They were going directly to God through their repentance in the rebuke of the bronze serpent. And that they did. Now we have them going on to continuing to live, despite the forgiveness that they enjoy from God, we find them having to continue to live by God's law by God's commands and so the forgiveness that is extended the healing that is extended does not extend to granting them a license an open license for sinning that's where we now differ in our age right everybody gets that God is a loving and forgiving God everybody in this country understands that what they don't understand is that he is still a just God requiring people to live in obedience to him and his word. That's what even most in the church now don't understand. They don't accept it. They don't like it. And so we, as continuing to call people to account for stuff like that, daring to excommunicate people when they are hardened in their sin, we are the evil ones. I want you all to remember that. We must continue to excommunicate people when they are hardened in sin. If we don't do that, we will be judged as we ought to be. We have to lay down the law. We have to hold people accountable to God's word. We must do so kindly. We must do so with forgiveness in our heart just as God would have us to do. But when people refuse to be wooed back to the Lord, wooed back to their covenantal vows, they must go. And so that's what this is all about. These last three messages, all this time in the wilderness, culminates in this, in the fact that the body exists for God. 
God doesn't exist for us. We exist for Him. And He rules us. We have no choice but to submit. So let's pray. And we come to the table and we abide by all those things. We are coming there to embrace God's love and forgiveness, yes. Everybody gets that. But we are also embracing the fact that we need Christ and we need His law. We cannot do without His law. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the fact that You continue, You continue to draw people to Yourself. And it's not just through love and forgiveness. They must they must confront their sin before they can truly come to understand the need of Christ. We live at a time now, Lord, when many people don't know that. They have turned away from a proper knowledge of You and a proper understanding of Your greatness to make You so small as to think that You need us. Lord, we uh, repent of that to the extent that we ourselves have been tainted by that and we also repent for the church at large for having largely embraced that. We pray, Lord, that you would rebuke the church for her unfaithfulness, that you would send plagues in our midst if needed to cleanse us. We ask you, Father, to have your bride be cleansed and readied for the wedding that will come. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.